1: This episode was recorded live at the Manor Vale Lodge. Conversations on Dance at the Vale Dance Festival is generously underwritten by the town of Vale. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
4: And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
1: Just a quick note about this episode, we did have a little bit of a technical snafu, so we are sharing with you our backup file of this particular event. It was just too good to not share, so thank you for your understanding, and we hope you enjoy.
4: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations on Dance here at the Vail Dance Festival. My name is Michael Sean Breeden. And I'm Rebecca king
1: Ferraro, and we are doing these, I almost called them festival forums, that's what they used to be called, but these early morning chats uh, for the podcast throughout the festival. So we hope that you will join us for some more.
4: This morning we are joined by two incredible performing artists with Music from the Soul. We have uh, Leonardo Sandoval and Gregory Richardson. Thank you both for joining us before you jet off to rehearsal and um, you know get, get ready for the upcoming performances. So um, since we haven't had the pleasure of speaking to either of you before, we want to just kind of hear a little bit of background Um, from each of you about your uh, early interactions with dance. So let's start with Leo. When you first became aware of dance kind of got that, like, dance bug. Uh, Hi. Um, Good morning, everybody. Um, Yeah, I
2: used—my father is a musician, so there was music in my house all the time. Um, And as babies, uh, the memory that everybody has, like me and all my brothers, like, if there was music playing, we were bouncing Mm -hmm. in tempo. as Fast as to, forward to preschool. I was dancing in preschool every single um, break that we have, or like uh, Mother's Day party. I was dancing in every class and my teachers were like, asked my mom maybe he should be doing some professional dance la- dance classes. So that's how I got into ballet uh, at the age of six. And then my ballet teacher um, told my parents too as well that I had a very musical year, that I should be doing percussive dance or like some kind of dance that it's more related to music, uh, and that's how I got into tap. Uh, and I used to say like tap actually chose me and not me, not the other way. Uh, and since then, I never stopped.
1: Gregory, let's talk a little bit about your background with music. Tell us how you first became interested in that, and then what led you to
4: composing.
3: Sure. Um, my father is also a musician. Mm-hmm. He's a blues singer and guitarist, um, and played in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother played piano. She like lessons. Her life wasn't really a musician, but kept a lot of music. Her I was allowed to listen to her music collection, but not my dad's. So that actually had a really big influence on me. Was like having access to my mom's CDs and big cassettes. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't grow up with dance. Um, my parents did a lot for us. A lot of like classes and extra curricular activities, but dance just wasn't on their radar. So I had some very like funny notions about like you know, like with, I thought all dance was just like modern dance and it's something we would like make fun of in high school. <laughs> um, but I, I realized actually really recently that I, I obviously I love dance. I just wasn't connecting with a lot of the dance music that was that I was seeing. You know, whether you know, I like some classical and certain composers, but not not all of it. You know what I mean? So I was realizing like if the music doesn't connect with me right away, it's gonna be very hard for a dance performance to to, to move me. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and then my first exposure to dance was was playing in a band called Darwin D's where it was an indie band but we would play we would do these little dance uh, numbers in between songs and Michelle Dorrance was our mm-hmm. artistic director for Dorrance dance was our bass player mm-hmm. so she would help choreograph these these little um, in between dance numbers like we were just playing you know in like gigs like in bars and right. stuff like mm-hmm. that and then but it had us all start dancing mm-hmm. and then Leo's encouraged all the musicians to start doing some movement on stage too whether it's just like body percussion or you know, simple stuff, so mm. that was kind of my intro to Did you music.
1: take any classes or you just kind of like learning on, on the job?
3: I started taking some tap classes when I first fell in with Doran's dance mm-hmm. and then realized, like many people, it's a thousand times harder it <laughs> <laughs> And a little painful on the feet, too. Um, and I intend to circle back to it, I just, ha- I haven't, but I do go, me and Leo actually go to the, to the club a lot just for like house music, like dancing, So you know, just dancing. Yeah. So I've taken some like house dance classes and different classes just for fun, but not a lot of tap. Yeah. Right.
4: So so Leo, at what point did you um, decide that relocating to the States was something that you were interested in? And was that kind of artistically driven? Definitely, yeah. Uh, I, um,
2: I, I come from a very tiny city in the state of Sao Paulo and I was living there up until my 21 years. Uh, and I decided to move to Rio de Janeiro, a bigger city to seek for work. Um, and I couldn't find actually a lot of work in dance. I was teaching a lot and I was part of a dance company there. Uh, company Stephen Harper was a tap dance company, but we were performing like maybe twice or once a year. Um, and I started to do street performance, like busking in Rio um and like after four years doing that i was just well i'm doing this here i might as well do that in new york city mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> that's what it actually drove me to move um uh, but i knew i was falling into a safety blank uh because uh the tech community in new york city is very tied together so as soon as i got there like people like michelle Barnes, chloe arnold they were like always they were like receiving me with open arms mm-hmm. and within one year i was already Performing with Michelle
4: and dancing in mm-hmm. her company and
2: touring. Mm-hmm.
4: How, how, how did you play? connect with Michelle? Did you already know her prior to living in the States? Yeah, I met her back in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Then I met her another time that
2: I was here when I was 18 years old in at Los Angeles Set Festival. The type community is really tied together. Yeah. So even if you don't actually know the dancer in person, they know of you like mm-hmm. through social media, internet, right. and things like this. Yeah. Right.
1: So I wonder how, um, Gregory, then you kind of, the two of you connected, it was through Michelle Doran's. but what was, when did you realize that you would artistically work well
3: together? Um, Well, there's a lot of different tap dance styles that you see within the company, and some people are like, um, some people have great memories, you know, some people are just like really dependable team members, Mm -hmm. some people are flashy soloists, you know, some people are really graceful, there's all these different styles. Um, And, but everyone is, and tap dance as a soloist, because it's part of the art form, you know, it's like improvisation. And some people's um, style, I just connect with more and some people less. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that tap dance to me sounds kind of like Indian classical music, where it's like the tableau player's like going crazy. And if you know Indian classical music, you're like, oh, wow, that's great. But if you don't, you're, you're like, I don't know what they're doing. It looks great, it's like flashy, mm-hmm. uh-huh. a lot of notes coming out but I don't quite get it and I'm a professional musician, like, right. so I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. Really. Mm-hmm. There's a few dancers like Leo who I would see and be like, I hear you. I see what you're like, really saying something. You're like really in a groove and you're not just like trying to do as much as you can, which I'm not saying that that's bad. There's just different styles, but that's what connects with me. So back to his his busking in New York City, everybody was talking about like, this new guy, Leo, like he's making his living busking like at, in New York City. And I was actually like, going through like a kind of a broke period as an artist you <laughs> yeah. know, at, at that time and I asked him can I, can I go with you can we do this together uh-huh. and he graciously said yes so we, we would go to the Highland Park in, in Manhattan mm-hmm. and busk for a couple hours and like sit around and split up the coins and the, the dollars and that's how we started
4: like mm-hmm. building our our guitar mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. we, we've already started kind of delving into how integral music is to tap and I mean, we always think of ballet. Of course, it's like they—they are so, like, it's impossible to just entangle the two. But with tap, you're literally being a musician. Um, Can we talk about this relationship a little bit more? Like, uh, you're just so kind of naked. You know, we all can hear if it's not gelling. You know, what is what's that like to have something that those two art forms for tap cannot be divorced to one another? um yeah they, they, they can't be divorced because the, the
3: tap is the music right mm-hmm. it becomes part of the score nice. i mean they can be divorced actually but it makes for really bad <laughs> <laughs> for, for so like what i what i always say and like what we agree on a lot is that like a lot of um sometimes tap dance can sound like it's like tap dance on top of music like why well, this great composition mm-hmm. cool it's finished let's put some tap dance on top of it it's, it's rare that that works for me or that that feels gratifying mm-hmm. so what's better is that like the tap becomes this integral part of the composition and if you take the tap out the composition's not as good mm-hmm. anymore so that's kind of like what we're what we're striving for it's like I think of the tap dancers as a as a, like an eight-piece percussion ensemble that happens to look great while they're doing it mm-hmm. but but not that it's like to me, it's more music than dance. The music right. is first, and then if you can make some cool formations out there, like great. But right. my concern is like what those eight percussionists yeah. sound like and are doing. Right. Definitely, the music comes first. Right. Like even when we are creating
2: something, it's it's about the sound or like how we want to, um, sound or like how how the music is. Becoming before actually how it looks like on the stage
1: mm-hmm. How do you feel like the way you approach work might be different from other dan- uh, other tap companies or other tap performers? Because that's not something that we're super familiar with. So I just wonder how your approach differs
2: um, I, I think um, The first thing is like we try to not uh, differentiate our positions within the company like we are both equally important and within the artistic direction of the company, like it's the both of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, if Greg has an idea, we always meet together first and, and digest that together before bringing to other um, company members. So I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, uh, yeah, the music comes for, first and the forms follow the sound, I would say yeah, we are not trying to look in a certain way to just be cool right. before um,
3: making sure that how making sure how we sound right yeah and And I'd also just add like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. like most most everything we're trying has been tried by yes. people for decades. Sure, and decades. Sure. So I've, I've definitely fallen in that trap before when we first started being like, we are we're like pioneering this new thing, and then like yeah. someone calling me out, being like, "Look at this guy who did that in 1960." <laughs> yeah. like whatever. So it's, it's, you know,
4: it's just new variations on the same hmm. same like ideas. Yeah. Can we talk some about the improvisational nature of what you're doing? How much of what we are seeing as audience members is just happening, kind of spur of the moment, and how much is laid out before? Usually when you see one dancer performing by themselves, it's improvised.
2: So like, look out for those places in, in the performance. Uh, but the musicians also have a lot of improvised solos within the compositions too as well. So uh, I think makes it for a very fresh show every time we perform. Uh, and yeah, it's never the same. It's never, never the
4: same. Yeah. Could we, we dive into that a little bit more? I'm, I'm just curious, so for instance, among different ballet choreographers, improv can mean so many different things, like, you know, um, someone might give you a phrase and then say, well, you now you have to spell your name in it, or we're doing it backwards, or, you know, like, there's they're structure to the improv, but how much structure is there for top performers? Um, it
2: could be, like, basically the space of time that you have to perform, mm-hmm. like, probably you have from, uh, you have Four or eight bars to perform to improvise, right. um, and that happens within the show too as well. Um, there's this one solo that Orlando Hernandez does, like right in the beginning of the show. That is completely a cappella. It's just him on the stage, and there's no time, so he's literally free to do whatever he wants. Right. Uh, he's basically just having a conversation between the light designer. Um, right between him and the light designer like if he changes one position the lights change for for this if he Mm -hmm. changes this other way the lights change and those are the cues but within that he can stay here for as much as he wants you know so it's really Mm -hmm. freeing freeing for for us Mm -hmm. to watch
1: and then what about for the musicians how much improvising is happening there
3: um, the, the musician improv is more obvious it's something you'll you'd recognize more from like a jazz feeling right. like right. okay the saxophone player is taking a, so you, you get it that, right that it's improvised um, it's a little bit I mean there's a lot of creativity there but there's a little bit more pressure on, on us to hold the structure mm-hmm. because we're you know we are like the the kind of the map of, right. of the piece so mm-hmm. um, our our job is a little bit different It's a little bit more like structural rather than.
4: Um, improvisational in, in general. Right. right. So let's talk about music from the soul. What was the, the genesis of this project? And what kind of artistic ideas were you eager to explore here? Um,
2: the first one is that te- 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 dance is music, uh, and it's part of the African diasporic um, um, <laughs> yeah, tradition. Um, and it's in an American art form. I think we we came from that and decided to explore those ideas within my Brazilian background, Greg's background in house music, electronic music, jazz music,
3: gospel music. Um, And yeah. Yeah, and I I think also expressing the personalities of our different company members, like it's a really diverse crew. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have. Our saxophone player Jose Cruzate is from Cuba, but he also, like in the show, sings some Yoruba chants, which are like from his religion in Cuba. Um, Gerson Lanza is from Honduras, so he brings his own thing. There's quite a few Brazilian, four of us dancers mm-hmm. in the in the show. Leo's husband is also our pianist. Uh-huh. His name's Noah Keynes, he's, he's an astronomer, but he's also like a concert pianist and, mm-hmm. and sings Renaissance classical music, like he's a professional singer. So like the goal is kind of, the goal has to be somehow to tie in all of those like abilities and mm-hmm. personalities. in. so like that's really what the, that's like the main, that's the main goal. Right? Uh, yeah.
1: How do you collaborate with all of the company members to bring their background into the final product that we see on stage?
3: It's tricky. I think it's tricky. I think for Leo, because they are tap dancers, like they all play the same instrument. And I think uh, if you're used to the dance studio culture, you show up and someone's in charge and you're going to say, like, hey, try this, do this. And they just know they've been doing it since they're little kids. Yeah. He's do, he, You do it. I do it. I'll learn it, whatever. And then if Leo gives them some freedom to, to do an improv, they'll do it. Right. Musicians don't work that way. You know, and we're all playing something different. So when we get in the room, everybody wants to like have their idea. I like this. I like that. Um, and everybody has these different strengths. And like, like noisy concert pianist. I can't necessarily even write. I can't. I couldn't necessarily even write something that could utilize his full abilities. Mm-hmm. So I have to. I have to work with him. Right. Um, so what you get is usually something I think better. <clears throat> I think it usually comes out better than what it would have been if I tried to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also feels like a lot of compromise too sometimes, so you're like
4: you, you know, it's just like personalities and right. You know what I mean? So yeah. How did you assemble this team and does it ever shift like year to year? Um, obviously you're you're looking to to kind of group together people that are offering something so unique and individual I'm just curious how you become introduced to these people and realize they're going to be a good fit for music from soul
2: um, Within the dancers is basically dancers that I already knew, somehow, um, throughout my life. Um, Anna Gisele, and Lucas, I know them, the other three Brazilians in the company, I know them since I was a kid living in Brazil. Uh, and when I moved here, a couple of them started moving around too, as well. Uh, and I couldn't help but call the, calling them to dance with us. Um, Gerson Lanza, the guy um, Greg was talking about that is from Honduras, I met him in Brazil and I was living in Brazil and he went there to just uh, study a little bit and, and actually work with Athens too as well. And we busk in Brazil. Uh, all that to say that it's like uh, it's all personal connections, like people that we actually know and we like to be around and we know that are
3: talented and, and yeah, we, we trust. That yeah. you can
1: compromise with. Yes. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the the people that we look up to too, like our like our basis, Jennifer Vincent. Our drummer Joshua Josh Davis, like they're they're phenomenal players. Yeah. So they're people that like I'm still like I take lessons with Jennifer when she has time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um it's also people that that we look up to and can learn from.
1: So Greg, have the musicians been inspired to also start doing some dancing? I know you said that you have them do some sorts of things. How are you getting them involved in that? Will we be seeing that here at the festival?
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you will. Know. Um it's great, you know, like Jose's from Cuba, like movement is in his mm. he'll move he'll, you have to tell him not to move. <laughs> you know, he's like a little kid in class, like you just sit still. You know, like the, the lights are on you, like even on stage, I'm like Jose just if you if you're not supposed to be moving, just be still because <laughs> like, the focus on the dancers. Like you're yeah. not invisible. Like you're right. not in the orchestra pit, like we're we're downstage, right? right? From, which we which we did on purpose because we yeah. wanted the audience to visually see that we're one. Group and not like the band at the back of the stage or mm-hmm. the band down in the orchestra pit or something like that. Um, Josh Davis, our drummer, is a natural mover. Yeah, when is. Leo introduced this like this first body percussion, he was like adding extra like hip sways and like he just like does the movement for fun. Like any like we're, we're like out, he'll just like start doing it. So like you, you'll see everybody's different personality and everybody needs.
1: One thing I was thinking, looking at your website, for example, the company members are listed. There's dancers and the musicians are there. Everyone's listed, and that's not something that you would see necessarily in like a ballet company, for example. So, and you're talking about how important music is, and is that common within a tap company, or is this just like a continued part of your mission to keep music so close to the dance?
2: I I do think it's common within tap companies too put the musicians and the dancers in the same place, mm-hmm. but what I think we are doing is actually we are not trying to think ourselves as a dance company right. or a band, Right? we are something that is in the blur. Right. Uh, so uh, it's really upfront that Greg and I are the sole leaders of the company and even if I don't have a guitar or he doesn't have a tattoo, we both are representing the company right. in right. the same way uh so i think that would be the only only different point like uh i would never do a performance just with recorded music while i think maybe some other dance companies if it's like a small performance or something that they right. cannot bring the band to the show they wouldn't they
4: would take that compromise you know right and that's not something we want to do yeah you just hear a little bit about what the audience is going to see on august 2nd when you guys are performing what's the program looking like um
2: the show calls, I didn't come to stay. Uh, it's, a, it's a piece that we started making uh, in the peak of the pandemic. Um, it was a commission for marks and process. We, summer 2020, we went to Catspin with a very small group of people and started working on that. And because it was the peak of the pandemic, we were like really hyped and happy to be together. Uh, so I, I call I I mean in my head this performance and this show is like a celebration of celebrations like being just celebrating being together. So you will see a big party on the stage, a big carnival party mm-hmm. on the stage. For me, it's almost like a carnival fever dream uh, happening
3: uh, constantly, like throughout the whole hour. Yeah, and I'll add just um, what you'll see: be a five-piece band um, with. Piano, drums, saxophone. He also plays flute. I play electric bass and electric guitar. Jennifer plays upright bass and cello. Mm-hmm. So between the five of us and the instrument switching, it's a lot of, a lot of music. Um, dancers playing percussion. Everybody singing. Um, and so it's yeah, it's, we're, we're really we're really proud of the show. And it's yeah. like it's like a it's a big production. It's eight dancers and five <laughs> band members.
4: Yeah. So it's it's cool.
1: I loved so much about what you guys did on opening night. It was so fun to see. But one of the things that I loved the most was how you involved the audience. And so I wonder, is that something that you do often? Is that something we will be seeing again on um, August 2nd?
2: Not on August 2nd, but we usually do audience participation in our shows. Like in our previous show part, you know, there's a, a classic pattern that it goes over the whole uh, concert. And by the end, like the audience kind of knows uh, how, how the club is going. Uh, but we will, we will be out in the audience. Yes, so that, is a, that is a form of audience participation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, true, true. And we encourage the audience to holler and scream and shout with us because there's a lot of room for that to happen to as well. You don't have to
1: encourage the male audiences <laughs> to get involved. They just love it. Yeah,
4: no, I think it's an interesting idea to me because it is such a, you know, the uh, the way that the audience participates and, and lives in the music with you feels so important and um i'm wondering like being in a proscenium theater like is that does that ever feel like too distant for you like wanting to have that like immediate feedback and energy from an audience like how do we negotiate that
3: i think it's the same for every performer right like i'm assuming you're both dancers yeah Mm -hmm.
4: you you feel that right you feel like the audience
3: is like 100 feet away yeah Yeah. so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's never gonna feel like the rehearsal room for me is always going to feel like this special magical place where like oh we're like making this thing and we're stirring the pot and yeah. like we're all here and we're sweaty and like nobody wants to leave can you can you translate that to the proscenium stage like i don't know <laughs> like i think it's easier in a black box right for, for intimacy sake right. it's a challenge you know but you want to have bigger audiences and right. beautiful yeah. amphitheaters but you
1: can feel that energy from the audience right like, you, like that's like a different aspect like you're saying how do you replicate the studio feeling but when you have that audience and you do have that participation like i could feel the energy from the audience going to you guys you know yeah yeah i wonder um since you both are participating always i assume in your works how is that is that a challenge when you think of a choreographer they set the piece they go out they get to view it as an audience member make changes is that challenging for you to not maybe have that audience view of what you're doing
3: yeah, it is. Like I, I bought this cordless uh, system for my guitar because I wanted to be able to go out and like listen to soundcheck. Because Leo always oh. listens for for the soundcheck, but it didn't really. I like, <laughs> <laughs> got like ten kind of feet away and it started like. Yeah. And i was, like, all right, but but yeah, it is, it is, there there is challenges. Also, Leo's usually like the face of because you know you come here and people like a dance festival, like choreographer, so mm-hmm. he he graciously. Helps me keep clawing my like appearance out, being like, We're co artists, <laughs> <laughs> we
4: both do a lot of work um, behind, the, behind the scenes. You know, yeah, so there, there are challenges. But. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. On opening night, uh, Dario and Anna really joined you guys. Um, I'm just wondering, if, and that's such a veil thing, you know, the sort of last minute, um, as well, artists will come together. Are you gonna have another chance to do something like that while you're here?
2: Um, I don't think so because everything that we're doing now is. Geared related to, to, right. to, to the performance but we had a lot of fun performing with dario yeah and like you said it's like the, the veil festival kind of model mm-hmm. and he was so amazing i knew him actually from before we went to the school at jacob's pillow together my first dance class that i took here in new york city he was in the class too, <laughs> really young oh. um yeah it was it was it was really fun to have dario performing with us and reconnecting with
3: him too as well you did, did a great job too. You yeah. just picked that up like the two days prior. A day yeah. prior. Yeah. <laughs> wow, well,
1: I was going to ask how he integrated in, so I guess seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you hoping that audiences will take away from
2: um, your evening of dance? and music? Um, <laughs> far and foremost that we are one group. I, I, I know we are pressing this Button a lot, but tap Dance is music, and yeah. we are all together. Like, there's no differentiation between all the performers on the stage. I don't want to, I don't even want to say dancers and musicians. We are right. all the same. So, tap Dance is music, um,
3: and that it is an African American art form. Yeah, and, and have fun. Like, we're we're having fun. I think one of the best attributes of the, the company itself and the show is that like you can really see people are just enjoying being with each other and like making music. It's not like a serious, you know, there's some quiet moments, but it's not like a,
4: you know, a stiff, like, you know, thing. So enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Great. I think we have time to open the floor to audience questions. Bruce, Bruce would you like to go first? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we, when we live, my live. Yes. Okay. So when, <clears throat>
3: when opening night came, we look up and there's the there's the floor, so we know it's going to be tapped. Uh, but then Leo comes out and he forgot his
4: shoes. <laughs> How did and, you know he forgot? And and,
3: <laughs> and, and so my question is, um, you know, in terms of things, everything having been done before, that was the first time I, that
4: I can recall seeing <laughs> a real seriously kind of tapped thing, but in bare feet. And I wonder if you could talk about
2: that a little. Uh, yeah, that first little strip of the performance that we did in the opening night was a body percussion section. That actually we doing our show too as well. And I really prefer to do body percussion either with my socks on or barefoot. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was an idea to start the show just like that. Um, but I liked it to play a little bit with it, like saying that I forgot my shoe as, a, as I was walking in. That it. was a joke?
3: Yeah, I thought you were yeah. serious. <laughs> no, we, we were walking in. And he goes, I forgot my shoes. And I was like, oh, well, shit, what do we do? But I, thought, <laughs> I, I knew that you did it barefoot, but I thought you were going to bring them out and then you put them on later. No. So, oh, man, yeah, I didn't catch we did
2: that. I, I, because we wanted to, I mean, I wanted, as a choreographer, thinking as a choreographer, to, to make our entrance as a little conversation and make the conversation become a song. Um, so I was looking for things like to act with Greg, but like really make it look like a real acting, not like you're oh walking in, I forgot my shirt. No, we can do it. So I, I tried to scare you a lot. I was like, should we go back? Yeah, it's too yeah. late. I, I almost I almost start backing up and I wish you would start pushing me I'm you know, like, well maybe that's a little too much, oh. but yeah. It worked. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you were surprised.
1: <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> we'll come back. Music
2: from the soul is such a fantastic name for your company. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? Sudden insight. I think it was Greg. Was it? Yeah. I think it, was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually the name of our first show. Um, when we didn't have when this is how we actually started the company. While Greg and I was performing on the streets of New York, somebody came up to us and asked, Oh, do you guys have a production that you can put it on a stage? Or like Sure, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so we started calling people, he called uh, a couple musicians that still performing with us, and some I call some dancers that are also performing with us, and then we built this one night uh, performance. And the name of that show was Music From the Soul. And I believe you came up with the name. Yeah, you. I can't remember
3: exactly when or how. We definitely had some disagreements over it. Once that name was in the pot, we had some disagreements over what, because Parangolé was another yeah. one? I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, because
2: after, after we came up with the name for the show, and then other productions were asking us to, to make other pieces, we're like, well, we need a name for the company. And we're like changing the name of the company, like Parangolé Collective. Uh, tropicalista. Tropicalista. Yeah, we had a bunch of names. <laughs> then we landed. we should just call music from the south. The yeah. name of our first show, and we liked the
3: name, so that's how. We, yeah.
2: yeah.
3: I liked tropicalista better, but we were we were already see, we could already see that we were going to be pigeonholed as being kind of like exotic, which I, I mean we are, and that's fine a little bit, but we get more than we get overly pushed as like oh, Brazilians, oh, like tropical, like fruit in their hair, like it happens, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm really happy about is that we didn't name it like Sandoval Richardson or something like that, like mm-hmm. that all the company members can really feel like it's not, like we all belong to it and it has a name that's bigger than, than somebody's last name, mm-hmm. I, I like.
0: Yeah. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online,
3: I was intrigued by what you said about tap as um, a product of the African diaspora, and I was curious because I've always thought of it as an American African American art form from the U.S. But um, can you speak a little bit to the Pan American roots? Did what you learned, was what you were learning in Brazil, did it basically come from the U.S. or is there a, you know, are there different traditions throughout Latin America?
2: There, there are different traditions of like what we call samba which is the translation for tap dance, but it's a broader name, you know. Mm-hmm. There are percussive dances in Brazil that are that you do with your feet, that you're hitting your feet on the floor, you have a type of shoe, and you're making percussive music as you're dancing, but it's not the same technique. So that's why I say that it's, um, tap dance is part of the African diasporic way, because there's many other ways of making music with your feet that are connected through the African um, history or, like, um, Things like people being brought to the Americans and like spread all over North America, and South America. There is some some language and communication throughout those that are, were dissolved and evolved in different ways in Brazil, in different ways in America, in different ways in other other places. So, um, yeah, percuss making percussive music with your feet is something that is in in, in-
3: inherently
2: inherently. inherently African
4: um, diasporic. Yeah. I'm a very amateur musician and tap dancer. And I could never improv on the piano. But I prefer improvised tap music, doing tap. And I wonder, which you prefer those parts of your performances? Do you prefer the improv?
2: Oh. oh. I do like to improv. improv. Um, I don't know if I prefer. I don't. I don't know if I have a preference. I like to float from one side to the other. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. I don't know. Do you have a preference of? Um, I spend most most of my time spent composing and and practicing. Um, yeah, I think I I, I I like the bigger group picture. It's more exciting to me, like, making getting the horn part right and the piano part and making it all come together. Taking a killer solo is great for the ego, too, but it's a very small part of my, my time. And when you do the audience participation part, do you make a judgment on how rhythmic your audience is? And do you bail out early if they're not getting it? I okay. So I never <laughs> <don't>. no, no. <laughs> It depends on, it, it, you know, if we do school shows for all different ages. You have to know what's appropriate and, like, like a group of eight-year-olds in the Bronx from like all over Latin America are gonna get a crazy quabby like right away, uh, whereas a group of like forty-year-olds in like Idaho might not get it. Uh, <laughs> I think, like, there's some, you know, there's some difference in ability. But no
4: judgment. But no. judgment. <laughs> one. I have one more thought. We're talking about improv. At what point does that kind of factor into your training? You know, like if we're learning, obviously, like music is pretty formal in the beginning, but Improv has to be so second nature to what you do now. You must have started experiencing that pretty young as well. Yeah, it, it's part of tap dance culture, and and
2: like you have to be a good improvisation to understand what tap dance actually is too. As well, it's a solo, it's a solo art form. It started as a solo art form. It was a battle between dancers. You know, that's how that's how it started. So you have to have control and understand and understand music, understand tempo, rhythm. Uh, even being a little melodic too as well, so you you have to spend some time on your own working on your voice, and that's basically learning how to improvise.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said Michelle Durant was playing bass in your group. I mean, so that's a whole new world that we learned about about Michelle. One of the things when she was here a lot early on, one of the, what I remember her telling us was that tap started off in. In, in the States is sort of partly a form of communication, because you're speaking a language that the slave owners can't understand, so you can communicate that way. And I wonder, that seems to me possibly also the case in Brazil. But then the last question, just to kind of throw this out there, is can they dim the lights less in the, in the theater so that these guys could actually see out? And would you like that if that was actually possible? I think that might be kind of intimidating. <laughs> it's not that for me.
4: I, I, I didn't really. think question.
3: If they, if they had the lights up in the in the house, you could see the audience better. Uh-huh. Like, would you prefer that? No. Yeah, it no. is intimidating. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's so much better having it like a black. Yeah. Boy. It is. It's more <laughs> the distance of a large theater. Like, it's not. Right. It's not. It's not that you can't see them in the dark. It's just, just that the stage is so big. You know. If it, even if it's like a duet or two people out there, like if you're if you're on the middle of that stage, it just feels like the stage just never ends, and like people are like you know so far, it feels like you're under a microscope or
2: something. Mm-hmm. On that note, though, I really enjoy like looking for people in the audience and like looking to the ones that I can see it, like to connect and like really look in the eyes and like dance for pointed people sometimes, but not if the whole house was like, <laughs> on. Yeah, that would be terrifying yeah,
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. communication question
2: Yes, yeah um, I what I believe Michelle is probably talking about is um, when uh, in North Carolina actually when um, then enslaved um, people got to start to communicate between other other groups throughout drum drumming uh, and starting a revolution and the drums were taken away and then that music uh, also was taken away and then translate. That music to the body, so that's one of the beginning ori- origins of, of Tetans. and that actually happened happened in Brazil too as well. Not as mu- not as es- expressive as in here, but the drums the drums are also taken away, and like for for a period of time, it was prohibited to play drums in, in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, that language couldn't die, so you have to translate that art form to some other parts of your body and. That's that's how it that's how it, it goes, and that's all, that's it, another link to that whole Af- African diasporic roots of tap dance. Like it's it's yeah, it's that, You know, mm-hmm. you you just play the music in the way that you can find with your body, with your hands, with your feet,
3: with shoes, with no shoes. There was a there's a particular rebellion that you can look up called the Stona Rebellion, which was the people were communicating with drums. And they started going from town to town, picking up, like getting like a convoy, like getting bigger as they were going, just marching, not, not quite sure where they were leaving, but it got to be hundreds of enslaved people. And they burned down their houses and they killed some of the, you know, some of the overseers on their way. And after that, they, it was enacted like laws in North Carolina, like pro- prohibiting drums and gatherings of certain groups. And then those laws were just adopted by, adopted by other states immediately. So it was kind of like, it was like a codified legal movement in the U.S. It was like, no more drawing, which went to the feet. But I've also seen videos of percussive dance in, in Western Africa that kind of debunks some of that. It's like an easy narrative to be like, oh, they took away the drums, so they just started doing it with their feet. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that, but if you really peel back the layers, there's percuss- there's percussive dance in West Africa. There's hand boning and all, all those other things like body percussion that people generally, I think it's just like a kind of an easy romantic um, simplified version of history to say that like all of that happened because of because of mm-hmm. taking being illegal but then you know there's a lot of um, subtlety to it too. yeah the because advance was already there before I did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. any other questions
2: yeah. so it was interesting to hear how much improv is at the heart of what you do and we've had other talks here where, there was a sense of well, ballet has this very structured set of movements, and maybe contemporary dance It's harder to communicate what to do on stage. And you guys are just it sounds like there's a lot of freelancing. You just mentioned that there also might be some competitiveness and one upsmanship as a part of that. And is that could you say some more about how that works? Yeah, if, if, you, if you think about like hip hop or break dancing, like you know those battles that happen, those are actually modeled from Tap dance battles, like um, uh, when the art form started, like the way that people were socially dancing it, it was in forms of battles with the judge watching two dancers battling within each other, like looking for um, um, rhythm, for style, and musicality, and all, all, all those, all those. It, it was a competition. Speed. Yeah, speed. Uh, and this is still exists. This, Within, within, within their art form throughout this day. Like, uh, tap dancers are really, um, we, we, we say that we, we like to cut off other people when we are doing <laughs> solos, very graciously and very, you know, we are, we, we're still friends, but we are going for, for the neck. Yeah, we are, we are trying to show off and we are trying to, to make the, the best as, as we're going. Like, we, we do say, like, we dance to express and not to impress.
3: But you know, <laughs> and I, I'll say I, I do think that that competitive background is what pushes the boundary into also sometimes is just being like, you didn't have to, you didn't have to do all that. You know, imagine yeah. like if a flute player is just like thirty second notes where it, it's like, okay, that's really cool. Like, you must have practiced a really long time. But like, is it? It can go into the border of like not being musical too, because yeah. you're just trying. Because you've been in this situation your whole life where you're trying to like show that you can keep up with everybody else. Yeah. Life. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you both. It was so wonderful to hear more about your backgrounds and about Music from the Soul. We are looking forward to seeing you guys on this second. We can't wait. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Conversations on Dance is part of the Acast Creator Network. For more information, visit Conversations on Dance pod pod.com.
0: Planning for your next trip?